mercy and from sin release. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake you lead me and guide me. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was, was in, in the, the beginning, beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. These are the ones coming out to the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high. 
toward men. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that sittest at the right, Lord, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that together with them we may come to the unspeakable joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading for the Feast of All Saints is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 7, beginning at the second verse. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun and with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed. 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne 
and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. The epistle is from 1 John chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Hallelujah. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Holy Gospel for the Feast of All Saints is written in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to thee, O Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he had sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Wide back. 
solutions for this cause through gates of pearl streams in the countless hosts singing to Amen, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What a, what a wonderful vision, isn't it? Only, would it only be wonderful if on earth the saints had such an experience? But they don't. That was not her experience. Her husband died, and then within months, she had to evacuate where she and her children were living, the young widow. Um, there was war, and so she became a refugee. And then when the coast was clear and she came back to where she'd been living, she found that her home and the properties that her husband had left her for the, the nurture and the feeding and the clothing of her children herself were all destroyed, looted, burned, the livestock killed. But she tried to rebuild with what the savings she had, and then within a couple more months, she had to, re- had to evacuate again because of war. You could have foreseen it. Religious war. And then when she finally did get back to her house, after the coast was finally clear, what was left from the first time was destroyed, and she was utterly destitute. She had to beg and borrow and mortgage everything she had and, and even that was not enough and, and then her friends started turning on her. People that had been good friends to her dead husband had, were, were talking about her as, as somehow like she was, the, the response, she was responsible for the poverty and the failure. It was very bitter. And then plague came. Real plague. You know, the plague that kills 25 or 30 percent of those who get it, that kind of plague, the Black Death. And so she p- piled up what she had in, in the last wagon she had left and the couple of draft animals that she had left and took her little children and they got into the, the wagon and they headed to the next town that was safe. And somehow the, along the road, the animals got spooked. She jumped from the wagon, she landed hard, went into a ditch full of dirty, cold water and her kids somehow fished her out, took her to the next town, they found a doctor, but she just sort of lingered for 12 weeks, and then on December 20th, Catherine Luther died. Poor widow of Martin Luther died. She died poor and impoverished and persecuted, sometimes by other Lutherans and certainly by the Roman Catholic. Charles V, who destroyed her property with his soldiers. And when we're facing death, we're told in Revelations 14, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their good works do follow them. Blessed. How is she blessed? In this life, she wasn't very blessed. And then in the the lesson for All Saints Day, which is today, Feast of All Saints, in Matthew 5, 2 to 12, Jesus tells us how blessed those are who are in him. In fact, Jesus nine times tells us how blessed the saints are. He says, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those are you when when all men persecute you. Blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted for my sake. Nine blesseds. Nine blesseds. And yet, when you look at these nine blesseds, 
they don't really sound like to be happy or blessed, which is what the Greek makarios means. Makarios means, I mean, it doesn't seem to be very happy, does it, most of those? Doesn't seem very happy. And so Jesus must not be pointing us towards emotional happiness, which is what we're told in this life we're to be, right? We're to always be happy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm happy. I feel happy. You having a good day? I'm having a great day. I feel happy. But Jesus isn't talking about human, the human value of happiness because the world tells us that we're to seek happiness and, and we find emotional happiness in what makes us feel good. And what makes us feel good is good. But is that true? And there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end there in his death. No, in these beatitudes, Jesus affects a reversal of all human values, all of them. True happiness, he is telling us, is not for the rich and the secure, but for the poor and the oppressed, who are rich only in pity, purity, and peace. Yes, the blessing from God is for the persecuted, for those who hear the message of Jesus' kingdom and who meet it with faith and who stand fast no matter what is demanded from them, from, their, from the enemies of, of Christ, and who they watch and are faithful to the end. So how can this be? How can, how can we be blessed, right? Again, where does blessed come from? It comes from the ancient secular Greek. It's a secular word. It doesn't start out in the scriptures. And it comes from the idea that the rich are blessed because they've got so much money, you know, they don't have to worry about the things that we mere mortals have to worry about, right? But Philo of Alexandria, that great intertestamental believer, he said, though, that, that true blessedness is the possession of God, and only he can give you that. Truly, only he can give you that. Because the blessings of this world can be taken away in an instant. Right? There can be a pandemic or a depression or something, and they're gone. But if we are in Christ Jesus, God the Son, then we too are truly blessed. We share in God's blessedness because we, are in, we abide in him and he abides in us and we are connected to his eternal life which no man can take from us. Which is why Jesus warns us against materialism repeatedly. You know, the, 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 rich, the rich young ruler comes to him and says, you know, how may I in inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, go and sell all that you have and follow me. And the man goes away sad because his possessions were many. That's why Jesus says, what does it profit a man to get in the entire world and lose your own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But those things really don't bring happiness. I mean, some of y'all that have achieved some modicum of wealth in your lives know this. The best money can do is give you some earthly comforts. The best, that's the best. And that's not really not that great, really. No, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount defies human definitions of blessedness. I mean, consider, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? The word for poor here literally means like a homeless person. A person who's a beggar who has nothing, no thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, Luther says, what it means to be poor in spirit, and I quote, before God is to have nothing spiritually and forsake everything. In, in other words, to be poor in spirit means that, that when, when, when you come up against God and his word, anything in you that disagrees with God, you jettison and replace it with what God says. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Are we poor in spirit? Next, we're told by Jesus, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What a difficult statement. Because when we stand over the graves of our loved ones, I mean, the, the attempts of those around us to give us comfort fall flat more often than not. 
Now, when we stand graveside, we, we more closely, I think, identify with what the prophet Jeremiah said when he wrote, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. That's how we feel. That's how I feel. And yet, what is God and God's Holy Spirit inspire St. Paul to write in 1 Thessalonians 4? I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, brothers, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest ye sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those that sleep in Jesus. And we know that that sleep means death because when, because when Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, died, he said to the disciples, Lazarus sleepeth. And they said, well, if he sleeps, somebody should just go wake him up. He says, no, 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 he's dead. And yet Jesus did wake him up. He called him forth from his grave and a dead man became a live man. No. And even, and even when we stand graveside, we have the word of God comforting us, telling us where our beloved is. Though the mortal remains lay in front of us, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And where is the Lord? Why, he's in paradise. Where Jesus is is paradise. Then Jesus tells us, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, now, if that's not a contradiction, I don't know what is, right? The meek will inherit the earth? I mean, everything we're told, right, since the time we're little, right, is, is that only the strong achieve goals, only those who are willing to go out and take what they want. It is the triumph of the will that, that, that overcomes, not the meek. And yet, Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. And what does this word for meekness mean? It means a humble and gentle attitude which expresses itself in patient submissiveness of offense, free from malice and free from a desire for revenge. Because those in Christ know that revenge is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Yes, the Christian gives up their right of revenge. Let's God take care of that if that's what has to happen. That's how we're to exist between each other as people. Why? Because we are all saved by grace through faith. There's no merit or goodness in us that merits God's special favor or attention. We are all recipients of unmerited grace. So we are no different from each other. We're all like the servant who owed the king 10,000 talents, an unpayable sum. And yet God forgives us. So why can't we forgive our neighbor who owes us merely 100 denarii? And then Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. But he modifies that for righteousness. Modify, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Right? Now what is the righteousness that he's talking about that we hunger for? Well, it's the righteousness that we need from each other. Because as I said, our righteousness won't avail anything from God. Our righteousness achieves nothing from God. But we need each other's righteousness. I need your righteousness and you need my righteousness. Right? And that's what Luther says when he preached on this sermon, this, this text more than 500 years ago on All Saints Day. Luther said that, that, that man that this is not talking about the righteousness that makes us acceptable before God, but rather this is the righteousness, the outward righteousness before the world, which we maintain towards each other. That man, Luther writes, is righteous and blessed who continually works and strives with all his might to promote the general welfare and proper behavior of everyone and who helps to maintain and support by his words and his deeds and by precept and example. And we need that righteousness, don't we? More today than ever, when we're confronted almost hourly with examples of unrighteousness. And then Jesus goes on to say, blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus uses two words here for mercy, with, with mercy, mercy. Merciful, Eliamon, which means to show mercy, and then mercy itself, Elieo, which means to have mercy, but it, but it has a strong element of pity embedded in it. It's like merciful pity. According to Martin Luther, this, this mercifulness is an outstanding fruit of faith. That means if you have faith, if you've been given, you've been saved by grace through faith, then this will be a fruit that will just happen. You'll just do this. And Luther writes that anyone who is supposed to contribute to the common weal and success should be kind and merciful. One of the virtues of counterfeit holiness is that it cannot have pity or mercy for the frail or the weak. All mercy is gone, and there is nothing but fuming and fury. Notice, it cannot pity the frail or the weak. Yeah, it's easy for us to be kind to each other when we're kind to when we're kind in return, but it's the frail and the weak that we must be merciful towards. St. Gregory the Great said something very similar. He said that true justice shows mercy, but false justice shows indignation. Are we indignant? And then next Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, the word pure is actually the word, it's, it's, it's katharus, it means to be clean, like you're, you're clean. You've no, no dirt in you, you've no, no filth, no, you've been cleaned. And then the word heart is cardia, in the, in the, which the ancients saw as the center of the inner life of the person where all spiritual forces and functions have their origin. So that, so that you know, if you're, you know, so if you're clean and you're, the source of your forces and functions are clean, right, then, then what you do, what you want to do is clean. And how do we receive this cleanliness? Why, when we're born again of water in the Spirit, when we're, when we're washed in the waters of holy baptism, when we're, when we're fed by Christ's own body and blood and, the whole, and, and is from his altar, we're made clean. And then how does this play itself out in the world around us? Well, Luther writes, the ones that are clean are the ones that are watching and pondering what God says and replaces their own ideas with his word. This alone is pure before God. Yes, purity itself, which purifies everything that it includes and touches. Again, we're constantly coming into conflict with God, aren't we? His word's constantly convicting us. And that's the reason why some people stay away from church. Sadly. And then Jesus continues his beatitudes. He, he asserts that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called God's sons. If we're truly following Jesus, again, we will reflect this. For Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? I mean, that, that, that's what the, the Christmas angels came to declare, that there's born to you, right, a Savior. You know, it's Christ the Lord. He's the Prince of Peace. And this is what Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now Christ comes to bring peace on earth by ending humanity's war against God through his own sacrifice of himself as payment for our sins so that there can be no division between us and God anymore because the reason for the dispute has been resolved, it's been paid for, it's been taken care of with Jesus' holy, innocent, and precious blood. Yeah, right? So that there's peace. And when we're in Christ again, we want we want there to be peace, peace among each, between each other, peace in the world. Luther writes, he says that, therefore anyone who claims to be a Christian and a child of God and does not, does, not only does not want to start a war or cause unrest, but, wants, but gives up, but gives help and counsel on the side of peace wherever he can, even though there may be just and adequate cause for war. And finally, Jesus declares, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. It's blessed are you when all men speak ill of you, mutter all kinds of falsehoods against you for my sake. For so they spoke about the prophets before you. Yes, persecution. Why would God end with such a downer about persecution? Persecution. Well, we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And what is this, this, this righteousness, this dikaiosunes? I mean, what, what is this? Well, it's, it, it's the righteousness that Christ gives unto us. Like I said, if we are in Christ, then it's no longer we who live but Christ who lives within us. And, and we will not... We, we cannot help but do good works and help but speak the truth and do those things which God is, God is pleased with. But whatever God is pleased with, the world hates. In fact, that's why Jesus said, if the world hates me, they're gonna hate you. And why does Jesus tell us this? Because he doesn't want us to become discouraged. He doesn't want us to lose heart, to think we're doing something wrong because you know, everybody, you know, we've been, we've been you know, banned from Facebook or we've been knocked off of Twitter or, be, or, or all our friends have ratioed us. No. Jesus does not want us to be discouraged because this world is temporary. The blessedness that Christ has in store for us is not of this world. It's of the world that's coming very, very quickly very quickly. And that world, that, that kingdom of heaven is where we will neither hunger nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike us by day nor any heat. And the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd us to fountains of living waters. And there, there he will dry up every one of our tears. In the name of Jesus, amen.
please uh, note the blue news for this week. Um, so um, the um, we're going to next next Sunday after late service at noon there will be a potluck and a congregational meeting uh, and our annual meeting to dis- to discuss uh, the budget etc and prove those things. Also um, this week uh, Ed Bashir tells me we only have two volunteers going that are going to be here doing relief work. But next week, I, uh, he, he told me that he's thinking maybe as many as 52 are coming. So it's a, a much larger group of volunteers. So I've been trying to update our list. If you have trees down on your property or any work that needs to be done, please let me know because there'll be a bunch of people looking to do jobs and looking to do things, and we need to keep them busy. Also, I talked to Bonnie this morning, and... Um, so if anybody's able to make food or help her in any way, please uh, don't hesitate to get in touch with her and just say, hey, I'm ready to help. Just tell me what to do. Um, just, but I just wanted to make you all aware of what we, what we think we were anticipating for not this week, but next week. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord for the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom. Let us pray to the Lord for this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, Especially we pray this day for Bob and Jackie, for Marga and Eddie, Norma and Kim, for Ray and Suzette, for Chris and, and Gail, Therese and Marion, Clayton and Meredith, James and George, Larry Dean and uh, Earl, Suzette and Bob, Mallory and Mark, for Jennings and Hank, Sandy and Megan, Isaac and Haley and Stella Lee, and Marilyn and Paul, for Patty and Cecil, Michelle and Carl, Karen and Jimmy, Tina and Ainsley, Richard and Kevin, Colleen and Ron and Carolyn and Mary Ellen, for Brian and Natalie, for Thelma and Jesse, for Ralph and Theo, Easton and Janice, for Doug and Fallon, Colby and uh, Jamie, Audra and Francis and Leroy and Shirley. And we pray for all those who are of our parish who mourn, especially the Neyland family, the Neese and Barbie families, the Carnahan family, the Tryon family, the Nolings family, and the Linden family. And we pray, though, for those in service to our country's armed forces, especially for Paul Turner, Paul, Caleb, Hayden, and Mike. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for our university students, including Stanley and Colleen, Griffin and Noah, for John and Katie, Dylan and Audrey, Dylan and Rosalind, Gage and Olivia, Sarah and Olivia, for Jason and Jacob, Minnie and Emma, and Carly. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, consolation of our right, devout, and holy hope, and the communion of Christ, holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially this day for Barbara Florienzig, who is close to death. Almighty and everlasting God, the eternal salvation of them that believe, hear our prayers on behalf of thy servant Barbara, who is very sick and whom we think is very close to death. We implore thy aid and mercy for her, that if it be your will, we know that nothing is impossible for you, so that you would maybe restore her to her former health, so that she may render thanks to thee in thy church, or else grant her a blessed departure to be with be with you in heaven through the merits and mediation of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We also pray for our country during this time.
O merciful Father in heaven, who holdest in thy hand the might of man and who has ordained the powers to be for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of them that do well, and of whom all rule and authority in the kingdoms of the world do humbly bow and obey. We beseech thee to graciously reward thy servants, the President of the United States, the Governor of, of Alabama, and our judges and magistrates, and all the rulers of the earth. May all that receive the sword of thy ministers bear it according to thy commandment. Enlighten and defend them by thy name, O God, and grant them wisdom and understanding that under their peaceable governance thy people may be guarded and directed in righteousness and quietness and unity. Protect and prolong their lives, O God, of our salvation, that, that we with them may show forth the praise of thy name. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.